0: And now it's time for Reflections from Asia with Harvey Stockwin. After 18 years of weekly broadcast, Reflections from Asia, written and presented by Harvey Stockwin and produced by Phil Whelan, will soon be taking an indefinite rest. Over the years, Harvey has informed listeners with his sharp and profound analysis of the major events and movements in our region, drawing on his extensive knowledge of politics and history and his expertise as a narrator coupled with his distinctive delivery. To mark the occasion, this weekend and next, we are featuring some standout reflections. In this program, first broadcast in October 2010, Harvey was talking about The Crime of Speaking. This is a personal view programme. The digital connection between Oslo and Hong Kong was obviously faulty. The live broadband broadcast over the internet of the announcement of this year's winner of the Nobel Peace Prize came through in fits and starts. Perhaps it was the Great Firewall of China somehow intruding into Hong Kong's allegedly high degree of autonomy... But in the end, the message got through. Quote, the Norwegian Nobel Committee has decided to award the Nobel Peace Prize for 2010 to Liu Xiaobo for his long and non-violent struggle for fundamental human rights in China. The Norwegian Nobel Committee has long believed that there is a close connection between human rights and peace. Such rights are a prerequisite for the fraternity between nations of which Alfred Nobel wrote in his will. Over the past decades, China has achieved economic advances to which history can hardly show any equal. The country now has the world's second largest economy. Hundreds of millions of people have been lifted out of poverty. Scope for political participation has also broadened. China's new status must entail increased responsibility. China is in breach of several international agreements to which it is a signatory, as well as its own provisions concerning political rights. Article 35 of China's constitution lays down that citizens of the People's Republic of China enjoy freedom of speech, freedom of the press, of assembly, of association, of procession and of demonstration. In practice, these freedoms have proved to be distinctly curtailed for China's citizens. For over two decades, Liu Xiaobo has been a strong spokesman for the application of fundamental human rights also in China. He took part in the Tiananmen protests in 1989, He was a leading author behind Charter 08, the Manifesto of Such Rights in China, which was published on the 60th anniversary of the United Nations Universal Declaration of Human Rights, the 10th of December 2008. The following year, Liu was sentenced to 11 years in prison and two years deprivation of political rights for inciting subversion of state power. Liu has consistently maintained that the sentence violates both China's own constitution and fundamental human rights. The campaign to establish universal human rights also in China is being waged by many Chinese, both in China itself and abroad. Through the severe punishment meted out to him, Liu has become the foremost symbol of this wide-ranging struggle for human rights in China, The message did not get through to the country primarily concerned with this award, or did it? The all-too-vast panoply of censorship and silence in the Middle Kingdom immediately swung into action. The live broadcast of the award being announced, or even news of the announcement, was not available for the majority of the 400 million-plus Chinese denizens of the Internet. Only those lucky enough to have the knowledge or the technology to circumvent the great firewall of China might have heard the news. International news media quickly headlined the development... But as quickly, the CNN and BBC were blacked out within China. China's own media, with pretensions to be international, such as the Xinhua News Agency, knew better than to report Liu Xiaobo's success, though Xinhua may have included a short news item in the special news feed it provides to top communist cadres. But initial reports indicate that several million fewer than expected allowed themselves to be cut off from the outside world. Apart from anything else, they wanted to know if those clumsy Chinese threats to Norway, which had been reported, had been heeded. By text message and telephone call, word of Liu's and Charter 08's Impact Abroad got around. Yes, Liu Xiaobo is not yet a household name in the People's Republic of China, outside of Hong Kong, that is, but it is now well on its way to being such. Authoritarian rulers never seem to learn. The more you suppress the news, the more you increase people's inquisitiveness to find out what is being denied. All those trillions of yuan being spent by Beijing on trying to keep the Chinese people ignorant are essentially a wasting asset. Meanwhile, for the outside world, one question had been, would the Nobel Peace Prize Committee join that ever-lengthening list of people and institutions who feel it is necessary to appease China as it begins to throw its weight around a bit? So it was a source of satisfaction for many that the committee did have the courage to make Liu Xiaobo the first Chinese citizen to receive... A Nobel Prize. As it happened, there were over 200 other candidates, though Liu would have been one of the earliest to be nominated. One question of concern was, would the committee follow last year's precedent of awarding the powerful when U.S. President Barack Obama won the Peace Prize on the strength of the initiatives he was taking rather than what he had actually accomplished? One strong candidate this year was evidently former German Chancellor Helmut Kohl for the role he played in the 1990s bringing about the reunification of East and West Germany, though it seemed odd that he had not been rewarded for that much earlier. By awarding Liu Xiaobo, the Nobel Peace Prize Committee returned to its older tradition of recognising those who are striving and suffering for peace and human rights progress at the grassroots rather than in the palaces of the powerful. So last week I posed an additional question. Would China, which prides itself on being a rising major power, have the grace to somehow accept this honour, even if only with a dignified silence? After all, it has long been a Chinese nationalist hang-up that no Chinese citizen has achieved any Nobel Prize, though, of course, ethnic Chinese living in freer foreign countries have done so. Or would the Chinese Communist Party regime react to any Liu victory by fulminating with fury? The answer was not long in coming. The Chinese Foreign Ministry did not limit itself to simply we regret or we deplore. Very quickly it indicated its fury that its authoritarian orders had been disobeyed by the Norwegians, as it resorted to words normally used in a religious context The decision was a desecration of the Nobel Prize, or a blasphemy, or a profanity, running completely counter to what China asserted were the Nobel Principles, assertions which the Nobel Committee had carefully rebutted in its prize citation. Indicating additional fury and anxious to implement its pre-prize threat that if Liu Xiaobo won the prize, Sino-Norwegian relations would suffer the Norwegian ambassador was summoned to the foreign ministry to hear the Chinese complaints. Quote, We emphasise that this is an independent committee and the need to continue good bilateral relations between our countries, a Norwegian spokeswoman later said. As is usual in China, no leading member of the Communist Party, no member of the ruling Politburo Standing Committee had anything to say on this vital issue, on this alleged affront to Chinese concerns. As is now commonplace in Beijing, foreign ministry spokespersons made all the pronouncements rather as if they were the politicians. Whether the spokespersons carefully consult the Politburo before making their often aggressive, not to say offensive, comments on key issues is not known. But they quickly made it clear to the outside world that the Chinese government was deeply offended by the Nobel Peace Prize being awarded to a person convicted of subversive acts against the Communist state. As it happened, there was one Chinese political leader who could have made comments on the Peace Prize. Premier Wen Jiabao was visiting Turkey, where the Chinese Air Force had just concluded its first-ever fighter exercises with a NATO country. Wen attended a press conference in Istanbul soon after Liu's Peace Prize was announced on October the 8th. But he took no questions from journalists on that or any other issue. Thereby hangs a tale and possibly a major contradiction on the current Chinese scene. For Premier Wen Jiabao has recently been talking about political reform, much in the manner of Liu Xiaobo when he authored Charter 08, before he was tried for subversion for doing so. Wen has talked about political reform not once but several times, though precisely how many times is a matter of debate among China watchers. Visiting the special economic zone of Shenzhen adjacent to Hong Kong early in September, Wen said, quote, Without the safeguard of political reform, the fruits of economic reform would be lost and the goal of modernization would not materialise, unquote. Reportedly, Wen also referred to the need to loosen the excessive political control of the Chinese Communist Party. Then, in his speech last week to the United Nations General Assembly, Won said that, quote, while deepening economic restructuring, China will also push forward political restructuring. But China Watch's eyebrows really shot up last Sunday when one was interviewed by Farid Zakaria on CNN and maintained, quote, I believe I and all the Chinese people have such conviction that China will make continuous progress and that the people's wishes and need for democracy and freedom are irresistible. I hope you will be able to gradually see the continuous progress of China. In spite of some resistance, I will advance political restructuring within the realm of my capabilities." Now, I don't remember any Chinese Communist leader saying before that China's need for democracy and freedom is irresistible. When Zakaria asked about censorship, Wen said, quote, I believe freedom of speech is indispensable for any country, a country in the course of development and a country that has become strong, unquote. The contradiction here is obvious for Premier Wen to be talking, not once but several times, about political reform at the same time as his government is attacking Liu Xiaobo, a leading Chinese advocate of such reform, and attacking the prize he has won for putting forward his essentially moderate political ideas. The main reason that some Chinese dissidents overseas voiced opposition to Liu getting the Peace Prize, by the way, is that they feel he is too inclined to compromise with the powers that be. Of course, it goes without saying that one may be pursuing a diversion. He may be talking reform in order to divert attention away from the foreign focus on Liu Xiaobo. Other than that, it is a curious time to be raising the issue with the Hu Jintao-Wen Bao team approaching the end of its period in power prior to the promised switch to a new president and premier in 2012. The communist leadership has talked about political reform before and then done nothing about it. It could be that wang Jiabao is talking about it now in order to influence the discussion of that issue prior to the next generation of leaders taking over. In the secretive world of Chinese communist politics, there are many possible permutations. Could it be that Charter 08 is having some influence? Before it was published, the charter was directly signed by 303 persons, many of them members or ex-members of the Communist Party. Once the charter was briefly circulated on the Internet, it was signed by an estimated 10,000 Chinese, again, almost certainly, many of whom were members or ex-members of the CCP. So an important political conclusion emerges for one and those who come after him. Charter 08 represents a pattern of political influence which must be accommodated and conciliated if China's stability and security are to be achieved. The only alternative will be the barren road of more and more repression.